Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, we got some interesting basketball stuff, but the bigger news of the day is, of course, college football with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten saying they aren't going to play until spring at the earliest. I got to say, we've been talking about spring for months, and the more we talk about it, the more it sounds like it's not going to happen to me. Uh, There are a lot of people right now saying there's no way you can put guys in jeopardy like that that they can't play in the spring, they can't play again in the fall. Um, you're going to hear in just a few minutes from Steve Tate, who played for the Utes, uh, um, what, like 15 years ago now. Then uh, he's going to tell you that as a player, there's no way, off-season surgeries and all that, and you just can't take that many collisions. Uh, Urban Meyer, the former Ute coach, Florida, Ohio State, uh, has said the same thing. There's other people saying it. So they can talk about spring football, but it, it sounds, and, and then the other thing is, is the COVID situation really going to be that much better? Are people going to mask up? Are they going to drive the numbers down? Um, are we going to have a vaccine? Even if we have a vaccine, are we going to have it in the uh, massive amounts we're going to need uh, uh, to vaccinate over 300 million people? It, it just seems like a lot of things have to come together for spring football to happen. So I'm kind of feeling like it's done for the year. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll happen in spring. I've been surprised before. Um, but it kind of felt like this was coming. I didn't know that it was going to come uh, now when we were talking about it last week. Uh, you know, when the uh, when the MAC went on Saturday, that's when all of this, you know, <laughs> the, there were there were anonymous Power 5 ADs saying Power 5 football would be done by the end of the week. Uh, the Big 12, it's not really clear. They're saying they're going to play right now, but you got an AD there saying if there was a vote, it would be very close to 50-50. So they probably want some clarity. Clearly, the Big 10 wasn't unanimous. The commissioner didn't want to – he got asked that, and he didn't want to talk about it. It's pretty clear Nebraska wants to play. I think it's pretty clear that Michigan and Ohio State want to play. Um, you know, it's a difficult situation because everybody's got a set of facts that they can run to. Jim Harbaugh makes a good case when he says, Argus, we haven't had a positive test in weeks. You know, the, the guys have been there uh, working out, not, not practicing as a team. But the practice as a team isn't dangerous if everybody's negative. You know, if everybody's negative, nobody's going to catch it from each other. Uh, and they've been passing test after test for weeks now, and they're batting a 1,000. So I get Harbaugh's point. And, man, if you're really playing by the rules and you're doing everything it takes because you want to play that badly and then you get told you can't play, uh, you know, it's no wonder they're frustrated. Players are out on social media. Harbaugh issued a statement. Um, But at the same time, you know what the Big Ten conference officials were thinking and what other ADs were thinking. Michigan State had to be quarantined. And Rutgers had to be quarantined. And you got the mom of, I think it's an Indiana player, uh, saying her, her, uh, her kid, a uh, football player, is having major issues uh, trying to bounce back from COVID. Um, so I get why they did it. You know, it's, uh, it's two teams, and they're on the hook, uh, you know, for liability, not just for football, but for women's volleyball and for men's and women's soccer and cross country in the Pac-12 for water polo too. And that's just more players and more tests and more chance that somebody's going to do something stupid and break the rules. And, you know, credit to Michigan for playing by the rules, staying safe, masking up, social distance, washing their hands, staying out of groups. You know, you just can't have 10 guys in an apartment playing video games. You can't go to parties. You can't go to bars and clubs. LSU did, and they had 30 guys test positive. You know, Texas had some kind of house party deal and had, I think, 13 guys test positive. And Michigan stayed away from all that, and now they don't get to play, and that sucks. 
You know, it, those of us who are older, which is pretty much all of us, I don't think we have that many 14-year-olds listening, <laughs> you know, when you're in high school, it seems like you're in high school forever, but you're not. It blows right through. And, boy, you look up one day and you're a freshman, you look up the next day and you're a senior. And the same thing happens at college. And maybe some of these kids will have redshirt years and, you know, they'll they'll still get to play their four years of football, um, you know, uh, for some seniors, you know, this is going to be it. There's fifth-year seniors out there. It'll be interesting to see, you know, a kid like Utah's Jake Bentley. You know, his grad transfer is going to want to stick around for another year. Is a five-year clock going to get paused by this, or is it going to keep running? How is that going to work? Uh, the NCAA has got to figure some of that stuff out. Um, they gave the spring sport athletes another year of eligibility. I mean, it feels like they've set the bar, but they haven't announced they're doing this yet in the fall. Um kind of seems like they should, right? Once the Mac said, hey, we're not playing on Saturday, well, do it. Uh, but I think there's still stuff to figure out there. So bad dig for college football, that is for sure. And now we'll see what these other three power five leagues do. And there's three more group of five leagues. And, you know, how is BYU going to schedule? I saw Army just added a game with Georgia Southern. But Army still has two open dates in November. And uh, they've got the entire month of October open. they got a game September 5th and then nothing until November 14th. Um, they're not the first priority, obviously. I think the first thing is for BYU to see how many Big 12 games can they get. If they can get the Big 12 game, they got to take it. That's got to be priority number one. Uh, I think BYU's always been important, and I've, I've been saying all along, you know, as an independent, there's a lot of question marks, but stick close to ESPN well, now more than ever. You know, ESPN and Fox are still going to want to show four games a day, but they're not going to have anything really in the Pacific and Mountain Time Zone other than BYU and maybe Air Force. You know, an Air Force home game because Air Force has indicated they want to play Army and Navy. Air Force does not have a game scheduled with Army right now. I'm looking at Army's schedule. Um, so, but if they get, I, I don't know if that would be home or away. I don't know how that will work out. But if uh, assuming Air Force gets one of those games at home and one of those on the road every year, that would be one Air Force game, you know. So six BYU home games, uh, maybe ESPN can broker something. Now, the Big 12 is going to play at home. So you're not going to get Big 12 teams at home. Can you get AAC teams? Uh, people are going to want primetime football for the West Coast, that's for sure. So I think Tom Holman's got to keep sticking tight with ESPN and working. Obviously getting the Navy game on Labor Day. Uh, in prime time, you know that's a that's a great time slot for exposure. Clearly, it's the Monday night football slot because it's the Monday night before the pro season kicks off. The NFL kicks off, assuming it kicks off on time. Uh, so that's a great slot. All right, that's the football, and we'll get to that. We got uh, Steve Tate coming up. We can take you to BYU practice. You can hear from Brady Christensen and Lapini Katoa. But we got to talk a little basketball here as well. Damian Lillard. That Clipper stuff really pissed him off, didn't it? He bounces back to the 51-point game and then turns around and puts up a 61-point game. And Portland beats the Mavericks. So two things for the playoffs. And I thought this was coming all along, although I'm not sure it matters. But now Portland's passing Memphis. They're going to be eight. Memphis is going to drop into that nine spot. Portland is only going to, assuming Memphis holds on to the nine spot, uh, Portland's only going to need to win one game in a two-game playoff series, whether it's Memphis or somebody else. And I would expect Portland would do that. Uh, Lillard is out of his mind. Three 60-point games this season, and only Wilt Chamberlain has done that? Well, that's an awesome list to be on. It's a scoring list, and it's you and Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> Win. 
<laughs> That's a big win. Um, and then also, Dallas loses that game, so now Dallas is locked into the seventh spot. I never thought the Jazz were going to drop all the way through. Um, they're also not running out their best lineups, as we've seen here a couple times. And I think Thursday we can go ahead. It's safe to assume that the some guys could be held out, and certainly anybody who plays who's in the top seven or eight in the rotation isn't going to play more in about 15 minutes. That's, you know, nobody's getting over 20 in this one. So the Jazz now will be, it looks like, either the fifth or sixth seed. Uh, if, if they beat the Spurs and the Thunder lose, then the Jazz can move into five. But uh, I think they're going to run out the bottom of their roster in the second half, and any league can go away, as we just saw in their most recent game. But uh, Damian Lillard, he's got Portland in the eighth spot, and he's got Dallas locked into the seventh spot. Um, the Clippers will... Uh, Probably be two. <laughs> that's I think that's the assumption that we're all operating under. But we got the uh, the Clippers and the Nuggets coming up tonight, and then we'll know more about that. And, and there is, I think, still mathematically, there's a chance that it could be the Rockets in the three spot, and the Nuggets could drop to four because those teams are all just stacked right on top of each other. Although Houston got beat by San Antonio, so that may actually have eliminated their chances of getting into the because uh, they're they're. Uh, I don't know that they can get into the third spot now. Um, San, Antonio's, San Antonio's fighting desperately, as is Phoenix, uh, to catch Memphis. And Phoenix is level with Memphis, and San Antonio's a half game back. Um, New Orleans, Sacramento, they've been eliminated. But Phoenix, uh, San Antonio, Memphis, still all scrambling. And now Portland, uh, they put themselves in a good spot. And Damian Lillard, wow, what, what can you say? That is just... Just awesome <laughs> that he would miss those big free throws against the Clippers, take the heat from those guys, and then back it up with 51 and 61 point games. Well done. And you know, if they're in the eighth spot, that Clipper loss doesn't matter anymore. Um, you know, they, they weren't getting to seven, right? They're, they're eight and a half games behind the Mavericks now. So eight's the best they can do, and any other loss doesn't really matter as long as they hold on to that eight spot. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to go to Cougar football practice. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What a day for college football. The the Pac-12, the Big Ten, said they're not going to play. Maybe in the spring. Um, And the Pac-12, by the way, uh, stopped all sports until January 1. So that's non-conference men's basketball as well. Um, Not that there's a lot of big non-conference games. And I think we could all assume something like the Maui Invitational isn't going to happen. but, you know, now for the Pac-12 teams, it's official. Just wipe those games away. And there really isn't room inside the conference season now. As they go to this uh, 20-game conference season, uh, there'll be only two teams you miss uh, in the whole conference playing the double-round robin. So you can still have a 20-game season, 20-game conference season, if they start on time. But, 
you know, it's an indoor sport. It's January 1. That's still a long ways away. Who the heck knows? Um, but I think after watching what just happened yesterday, it doesn't feel like anything's going to happen until they say it's going to happen. Counting on anything to happen seems crazy. Um, as big a day as I was for college football, it doesn't impact BYU that much because those games were already off their schedule. You know, they'd already lost their, their Big Ten games and their Pac-12 games when those conferences eliminated non-conference games. So for Tom Homo, you know, the task is still the same. He's got to wait for the Big 12 to decide what they do. They got an AD saying, you know, they're not sure, and he thought if there was a vote, it'd be close, and he thought if there was a vote, he would beg them not to have a vote, that he wanted another day or two or three for clarity. So... You know, what does the Big 12 decide at the end of the week? Uh, Seems crazy to get in front of the prediction game now. Who the heck knows what these guys are going to do? But uh, for Tom Homo, that's that's job one. And then see if you can pick up an ACC game. Uh, The SEC doesn't want to play non-conference games, which I got to say is a decision I found surprising. I thought when the ACC went with the plus one, the SEC was too. Uh, But they're not. So... So for Tom, it's uh, I think priority number one is Big 12, and priority number two is the ACC. Can you pick up a game there? And then priority number three is uh, the America Athletic Conference. You already got games with Navy and Houston. Uh, are there any more games to be had there? And if not, then you just keep moving down the list. Army is an independent, as I talked about uh, in the last segment. They got um, one game in September on the opening weekend, and then they don't play again until mid-November. So there's a bunch of openings there. You know, your independence, uh, it seems like October would be the time to pick up a game with Army. Um, if they end up with an October-November home-and-home, I wouldn't be shocked. At, at this point in 2020, who the heck knows? Uh, as far as the, the football news, uh, from their last availability, it's time to listen to a couple of the players. You know, uh, Brady Christensen, offensive line, how good is the O-line? You know, when, when you have a good O-line, certainly when BYU's had a good O-line, just a little bit of a running game, uh, it looks like they're going to be able to throw the ball. Uh, so here's Brady Christensen, uh, the O-line. You know, how, how good can they be? Here's Brady. Yeah, Brady, uh, you just kind of curious, how has the, um, the physicality of, been, of camp been thus far? You guys have had a unique opportunity to, to practice where a lot of teams haven't. How has the, the physicality of camp been thus far? Yeah, it's been awesome. That was a big emphasis for the O-line in the offseason is just to get more physical, as it always is. Um, but just to be able to go out there, we only had six practices in spring ball, and so it's been just amazing to get back out there and be able to hit again. And we went live on Saturday, and just to feel football again, it's just been awesome. And the O-line's been playing physical, and we've been playing hard, and definitely ha- I feel like we've improved. I was wondering, how does the offensive line work on being more physical and like being tougher in, in the terms of Jeff Grimes and what he's looking for from you guys? Yeah, I think uh, that's a broad question. I think there's a bunch of ways to work on uh, toughness, you know, uh, but especially for me, I focus in the run game. Uh, I need to be more physical. I need to finish blocks and just really get that big pop um, at the line of scrimmage so we can actually get pushed on the line of scrimmage so running backs have lanes to cut. Uh, that's been a big emphasis uh, for me and everyone else. And then just like just being tough in everything we do, technique, the drills we do, everything, every aspect, just have that mentality of we're always going to finish, we're always going to be tough, and we're always just going to do our best. Good to see you, Brady. What's it like right now with all of the rumors floating around? You guys are, are smart and connected and know what's going on. I just wonder what's that like uh, to – to be dealing with right now with the talk of the season being postponed till spring or, or people not playing or, or whatever. What's that like for you guys? 
Yeah, ever since I was a little kid, I've been taught just to not worry about what you can control and only worry about about things you can control. So we can't we can voice our opinions and stuff, but in the end, we can't really control what happens this season. So we're really just focused on Navy. We believe we're playing Navy and it's on our schedule. So we're going to come out every day at practice and just work because that's all we can really do right now is just go out and do our best and work and work and work and then just prepare. And that's really all we're doing. And that's our mentality with all the players right now. Brady, the offensive line is is getting a lot of attention. It's looked at as one of the strongest positions on this team. And I know confidence plays a big role for any athlete. What's the confidence level of you guys as a group? And when you're together, how good do you think this position group can be this year? Uh, you know, Coach Mateos, he says, uh, never drink the poison. So we try not to listen to uh, all that. But I think we are a, a confident group. We've been together for a long time, and that's huge uh, up front. You've got to know what everyone's doing. It's it's five of us, and you got to know what left tackle to right tackle. we got to know what we're doing. we almost got to be in sync type of thing. And I think that's the biggest thing uh, for us going into this season is just that unity we have uh, with the O-line. And we got a long ways to go. Still, I mean, we make mistakes and we still can be more physical, but I think we're on the right track and we're ready just to go give it our all. Brady, I wanted to ask you about the downtime. When COVID-19 hit, all you guys kind of had to scatter and kind of do your own thing. You've been talked about as a potential NFL draft prospect after this upcoming season. What did you do personally to work on your game during all of that individual time? Yeah, it was interesting. I uh, we had a lot of time. Clearly, we we didn't have school or football as much, and so I just re- I worked out a bunch twice a day. Uh, I went to a local gym uh, over here in Pleasant Grove, and I just worked my tail off uh, to get in better shape, to get stronger, to get faster. And then at night, I'd go work technique just at a park by my house. Um, just always trying to work on the game. A lot of film film time because I was, I wanted to be ready. And that's how all the boys uh, were during this off time. I really think it was obviously it wasn't good for us to be a part, but like communicating with everyone, we really just went to work and I mean, to prepare for the season. Yeah. Brady, uh, just kind of curious to get your thoughts on some of the new uh, young guys that have joined your room. Uh, I know coach Grimes mentioned Connor pay is a guy that's been getting some second team reps, maybe just, uh, discuss some of those new faces and how they've been performing in a, an experienced room. Yeah, it's uh, been awesome to see the new guys. I mean, that's it's the hard part about coming to, into experience room, but also the good thing. We expect a high level of play. And so when they get in there, Coach Mateos, he expects a high level of play. And it, we, we expect no drop-off. And they've done just an amazing job, all the new guys, of learning the offense. Um, we had a week before actual fall camp where we kind of installed everything and they just did an amazing job at learning the plays and they don't make a bunch of mistakes. They're still new. So they, they have things to work on, but as far as, as, as far as their knowledge of the offense, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing for how young they're. Brady, uh, coach Satake talked about Saturday's action and how the offense was, uh, really good in the red zone. No, that's a point of emphasis after some of the struggles last year. What's making the difference in that area and what do you guys need to keep doing to, to improve there? 
Yeah, we really just need to to focus on it. I mean, we got a lot of good, talented players on the outside and then O-line as well. We just got to use their talent and really just finish drives. Um, obviously, we got a long ways to go. We did. We had a good start Saturday, but we went and watched film this morning on it. And there, there were mistakes, and we just need to be great down there and eliminate any mistakes just so it gives us a chance to be able to score on every drive because that's what, it's where we struggled last year. And so it's a huge point of emphasis for us uh, this year. Brady, would you mind uh, just talking briefly about um, some of the running backs you're blocking for right now? Yeah, the uh, we, the running backs are – that room is amazing. We got a bunch of guys. Uh, we have – obviously, Beanie leads the way, but then we got uh, T, Tyler, and he made – a run on Saturday. We didn't block the front very good, but he made us look amazing. And running backs can do that. We could not have a perfect block play, but a running back can go make a play and it makes us look good. And that's what they're doing right now. And they've just, they're running real nice. And it's, it's just fun. It's fun to block from because you get your block and you see them 10 yards down the field, you know, making plays. And it's just been amazing so far. There's Brady Christensen. And of course, if they're going to have a uh, run game, Lapini Katoa. You know, can he be the guy? Uh, there have been injuries. There have been flashes. He shows flashes, but he hasn't been consistent enough. But can he stay healthy? Can he just not get nicked up? Uh, here's Lopini Katoa with the media. Just wanted to ask, first of all, about the running backs group. You have Devontae Henry Cole come join you for the, the workouts, and he decides to go a different direction. What's that like for your unit when, when you have kind of the comings and goings that happen like that? Um... Really, like, we all know, like, we're trying to prepare for ourselves so people can come and go. And, you know, when they come, we'll help them out. When they leave, we're good. You know, we're, we're all just preparing. And so I really don't feel like we missed a beat. Lopini, what did uh, getting uh, the news that you guys had an opening opponent, the Navy's on the schedule, what did that do for the vibe and the morale of the team at in the last couple of practices? I think it's awesome. Like we had a lot of, of faith in, in what coach Sataka was telling us, what uh, Tom Homo was doing. We knew that it wasn't a matter of if it was when. So just to finally have a name to that week, one game is, is exciting. Um, and it's a great matchup. So yeah, it definitely excited all of us. Pini, they announced the addition of Hinkley Ropati yesterday. What do you know about him? Have you gotten to know him at all to this point? What do you know about him? Uh, seems like a great kid. I've, I've spent a, like a day, um, day and a half with him so far. And he seems awesome, just like ready to work, um, learning all that he can. He's picking up the offense really fast. And so I think he's going to be a really good addition to our room. Lopini, I'm just curious, how is the uh... – what, where areas have you tried to improve in your game and your personal development as you head into your junior season? Um, you know, there's always a lot of different things I'm trying to work on. Um, but as always, just being reliable um, is always like my main thing. Just being able to be reliable, four down, three down, four down, back, whatever I to, to, can do just to be on the field at all times. And so I'm cleaning up my reads and running the ball, uh, my routes so I can split out when I need to and pass protection. Um, I just want the coaches to be confident in, in any situation that, you know, I'm the guy to, to get the job done. It's been a few years, Lapini, since BOU's had a thousand yard rusher. What do you think it'll take for, 
for yourself to become a every down back and get close to hitting that a thousand yard mark? Um, with our O line um, and who we're running behind, I feel like that's that's not a problem as long as and you know, I'm just doing. If I could do the bare minimum, I feel like that would not be a problem with what we're running behind. But obviously, that's not my goal. So just being there, first of all, avoiding injuries at all costs. You got to be on the field, obviously. Um, so I just got to take care of my body and then just be reliable and be on track, get my reads right, and just run behind the big guys. And And I feel like that's really doable. A couple of guys, just your take on Sione. Um Sione got injured. Could you give us an update on how he's progressing with his injury and coming back? And then Luke Andrada, um, what kind of impact do you think he could make? So Sione, I'm not exactly sure about his like timeline exactly, but he seems like he's progressing really well. Um, he's around, he's engaged. Um, he's moving on it pretty well. So I feel like he's, he's making a really good recovery. And as far as Luke, um, Luke gives us a little more um, versatility in the room with his wide receiver experience, his, his speed and his ability to just hit the edge. So um, I think a lot of what he did at receiver and, um, and his speed will be just really good uh, addition and a good weapon for us. Let's go Jay, Jared, then Mitch. Well, Peeney, in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic, do you feel safe as a player as you go out to practice every day? And how, how do you think BYU as an institution is doing to protect the players like yourself? I personally, I feel, I feel safe um, in my situation. Um, I know that as players and then as a, just like as a whole staff and a program, it, it takes everybody to be able to, you know, feel safe to create a good environment for us to be be around. So I feel like everybody's doing great at just making sure we're taking the proper steps to to ensure the the health and safety of the people on our team and, and the staff as, as best we can. So, yeah, I feel, I feel good coming out every day, knowing that everybody's taking the proper steps and precautions. Along the same lines, I was going to ask about, you know, it's one thing to be comfortable at home. You're starting the season on the road, but you're going to a military institution. Coach uh, Niamatololo talked yesterday about how, you know, they can probably do a better bubble at Navy or at other military institutions than maybe you can at most college campuses just because of the nature of the military. Is that kind of a, a positive feeling to know that you're going someplace that obviously has to put a lot of emphasis on safety for many reasons and security as far as uh, the, Navy, the, the Naval Academy? Yeah, I, I didn't even know that that was the case, but yeah, that's 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 cool to hear. And it's, I mean, I don't know the situation of every program and and their location, um, but to know that is is nice. It's comforting. Go ahead, Mitch, and then Greg, and then Dick. Yeah, so Lopini, last year, one of the themes in fall camp with with you guys' offense was trying to have explosive plays. Uh, what's something that's maybe the theme or kind of um, some of the goals that the offense has set out, maybe statistical for camp and they're obviously during the season. Uh, so, yeah, 
Um, you know, same thing that like you said, a lot, a lot of the same focuses, but really we just want to be reliable and violent. That's like our focuses. Um, there are situations where we could have been more reliable as an offense and it would have made a huge difference in our record last year. Um, we were a few plays off from, uh, my opinion, a 10 win season. Um, and all it took was a couple of plays in, in each game. So just being reliable and then just being violent. Thanks. Go ahead, Greg. Hey, Lopini, uh, you talked about uh, being an every down back. Knowing what you know about Coach Grimes and what he expects, what does he expect from a guy who wants to be a true workhouse, a workhorse, every down back? Um, as far as running the ball, a guy who's going to make his reads and run violently, like I said, um, and always falling forward, um, the type of back that's dragging for that extra two or three yards. Um, so that's what I want to be. And then then in other situations where I'm pass protecting or um, running routes, I have to you know know my assignments first of all and then do them really well. And so um, running back, in my opinion, is like a super – um, tough position because you have to know and do so many different things. So, um, but yeah, just being reliable in each, each phase of, of the running back position. Let's do uh, two more questions. Let's go uh, Norma and then Dick. Hey, Lopini. So I was just wondering if you or anyone you know has been sort of personally affected by the coronavirus, if there's a family member, a friend, any type of connection. Uh, so no family members up to this point. Um, luckily we've been blessed with that. Um, but like friends have been, um, nobody that I've like been like spending a lot of time with. So I, I don't know. I feel like I've been super fortunate, um, so far and just trying to be careful, but yeah, I've had friends affected, um, and it doesn't seem like it's it's super pleasant in some cases, so I'm just trying to do all I can to be careful. Okay, Dick, go ahead. Last question. Hello, Pini. Um, a lot of high expectations for your offensive line because they're veterans, they're experienced, uh, they're big, uh, they've got a lot of continuity there. Um, could you break down that offensive line, your observations, as opposed to the way the season ended with them and then what you've seen so far in the summer and now? Uh, our offensive line is – I have so much confidence taking the field um, and just being behind them because they're um, the, one of the hardest, if not the hardest, working groups um, on our team. They're super unified and they're more aware of their weaknesses than any of – we are than you guys are they're more aware of those things than, than anybody else is and they're working on them and that's what I love about them they're never satisfied and and so I would say as always you could expect great things from from offensive line and and then for them to take the next step this season there is Lapini Katoa all right when we come back the former Ute Steve Tate with his thoughts you know football spring football what should happen Steve's coming up Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK and I talked with Steve Tate yesterday. He's got strong opinions on football. Should they play now? Can they play in the spring? Um, you know, how much of this uh, worrying about the health of the student-athlete uh, just doesn't resonate with him because of what he went through when he played in the Mountain West days in the 2000s. Uh, here's Steve Tate. With PK and I. Brought to you in part by Suringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions. Backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Steve, good morning. DJ, what's going on? I have so many questions for you. (laughs) (laughs) Why, Why do you do this, Steve? You know, on the one hand, well, I've known you for a while, and... You know, your, your life has been out there, right? We know about your family. We know about uh, the loss of your child to cancer. We probably don't know the full impact of that, but we certainly have a sense to some degree, and we know the work you've done with your foundation since then. And, you know, that's all really important and speaks really well to you and your wife, that you have been served this big old poop sandwich, and it is is awful and yet you're going and doing this stuff to help other people it's it's very admirable and yet you're right. out there on twitter and we want to talk to you about football but you're out there at twitter just going at it with people instagram and too instagram too yeah you're on, you're on social media going at it with people and i'm thinking you're not going to change their minds and maybe you agree 20 percent or 50 percent or 80 percent with whatever and somebody's take and all that but like fundamentally who you are in my mind is this other story, which is out there in the public. And I mean, I know you privately. I call you. We talk. And so that part's not out there. But a lot of it's out there in the public. That's really who you are. And this other stuff, man, it seems like a lot of energy and emotion. And you get beat up. And you land some good shots and beat people up. I'm thinking, that's not fundamentally who you are. Why do you put so much time and energy into that? Uh, well, I mean, I think we're at a time right now, and uh, certainly we're you know, I'm passionate about my kids, and and and, and if, if saying I want my kids to go back to school, if that's uh, if that's political, then and I don't, it, you know, I guess I can sit back and 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 not voice my my reasons for my kids to go to school. I, I mean, I could do that and uh, take a back seat, but then again, who's going to advocate for the kids who whose parents feel the need for them to go back to school? And um, you know, I don't. I'm not trying to be political. I think everything's political right now. College football is political. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the medicine you take uh, is political. I mean, every, everything right now is politicized, and it's not it's not my intent. But you know, again, where where's the outcry for childhood cancer? When my kid has cancer, when only four percent of of research that goes into cancer actually goes to pediatric cancer, where's the outcry for that? I've been screaming since my son, you know, was diagnosed about that. Um, and, and so I don't think there's anything new. I just think people are more passionate and have their their opinions one way or the other. But again, I, I've never not voiced my, my uh, you know, my opinion when it comes to the things that I'm passionate about. And again, you know, I think that's, and I, again, I think we live in a world where we don't, there's no more tolerance. And, you know, I've been, I guess I can be guilty of it as well, but 
you know, there's no no more tolerance of differing of opinions, and uh, I, I think that's that's sad. If we're in a world like that where we can't have differing in opinions and respect each other for those opinions, then uh, then we're going down a deep, deep, dark, dark, dark world now. So, Steve, you want school to start for the kids in the public schools. I think you've been out there on that, and you do have a lot of influence, and I think it's partly because of you know, what happened to your son, partly because you're just an all-around swell guy, too. And then with that in mind, with this influence, people are drawn to what you have to say. And do you think you fully understand the amount of impact that you have through the avenues that you wish to speak out on? Yeah. I mean, I I think it became – yeah, I think that was my whole reason for – sharing a story about my son was that, you know, if, if I don't speak up about the lack of um, research that goes into childhood cancer, if, if I don't and my wife don't who have a voice, then who will? And I've always kind of thought that, you know, I, I could have I shut the door, closed it all down, not shared our story on social media, but I know it's helped thousands of people. Our foundation's helped thousands of people. And, you know, I could have easily shut it down. And that that's probably the easier thing on my psyche but I, I don't know I mean I think I've always been a leader um, you know I went at Utah from walk-on to a, a guy who was all conference first team all conference and voted captain and you know that's not, a, that's not an easy that's not an easy uh, comp, uh, thing to accomplish uh, you've got to earn the respect of your teammates whether you know that was the one thing I learned was you know here I was uh, to, to be able to do that you have to have one you have to be good at what you do but you also have to have an opinion you have to be able to speak up when things aren't right and you have to be and people respect that for the most part the majority of the of of, of the world respects that and even if it's not something they believe in uh, someone that is passionate that is willing to take a stand uh, i mean shoot i respect that even if it's something that uh, that i oppose i respect those people that are out there and passionate and speak in their minds and and so I've been given this voice, and if I, I don't know, I, I'm one of those that believes I, I'm, I've been chosen to be a leader in this world or in this community for a reason. If I just sit back and, and ignore some of the things that I'm passionate about, then no one's going to speak up on anything. So we wanted to have you on to talk uh, college football right now. There's a, there's a lot of things going on all at once. Uh, and I don't know in the minds of the school presidents and the athletic directors, you know, at any given moment, which one is the most important. But generally, when you hear them talk about players' health and safety, I think you, uh, you're a little disgusted. Am I right? <laughs> you know, I just laugh. <clears throat> I laugh that I see so many people saying, well, but what about the health and safety of these kids? I said, well, where where was that where was that talk when you know CTE is at the forefront of every discussion when it comes to call when it comes to football in general, you know I, I've never been screened for a CTE CT. I mean I've never been uh, followed up. There's no there's no follow up with with college athletes. There is with the NFL, but you know the all of a sudden we care about the health and that's I think that's why the players finally formed what you know somewhat of this union in college football is because wait hold, pump the brakes when when have you ever cared about our health. Uh, when have you ever cared, cared about that? You know, I, I didn't have health care when, when I was playing football. We couldn't afford it. You know, now I think it's given to some of the, in the P5 conferences, I think it's now given to student-athletes to have health insurance. But I didn't have it when I played. Um, and, and so, you know, for the NCAA or whoever to, to often, you know, say they care about the, the health and risk of these kids, like, well, uh, 
you know, that's, that's all not, not that true when it comes to other components of, of their health and, and, and uh, their safety. So then what is it as far as potentially causing these postponements or cancellations? I don't know. I mean, I, I think. I, I mean, I think. Don't get me wrong. I think that there there is that. I think that the health and you know of this of this virus and how to to go about it. I think that is obviously the you know the, the concern. Uh, I I think that the, the issue right now is the NCA has failed to implement a, a strategy for all of this. Um, and you know, I think this is they had six months to work out a strategy. I mean, you've got youth conference football that's able to work out a strategy and you know a, 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 a you know. A, strategy to get through through this time now i don't know if it's going to work but uh, again the ncaa has not rolled out any strategy you know i think something very easy could be an opt-in and opt-out for a student athlete that does not feel safe with this current pandemic that they're facing there will be an opt-out opportunity for them where they will not lose that year of eligibility for anyone that wants to play there's an opt-in and you know if you want if they have to sign waivers and whatever they have to do then 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 so be it and go through the protocols if their family has to sign waivers then and that's what they'll have to do. I don't know. I think there's there's certainly solutions. The NBA's done it. You know, Major League Baseball. Whether you want to, you know, that's controversial in itself. But again, there's there's there are solutions to this, and the NCAA has not done that. I mean, it wasn't just until what about a month ago that they finally kind of put the responsibility in the hands of the commissioners and basically said, you know, this is your this is now on you. You know, they could have done that back in in March and allowed these. ADs and and uh, presidents to come up with um, you know a, a set schedule and a, a game plan, but they 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 waited till the last minute. And now all of a sudden you see all the displeasure in the in the in the players. And I thought it was interesting yesterday because you know if you look at the coaches that spoke out, Mullen and Saban and Harbaugh, you know, they haven't spoken out the last month, and all of a sudden there's been voice that they're going to cancel the season. All of a sudden they they turn to Twitter and um, and now I think all you know when when the coaches start throwing their weight around that's when you know i think that's when the 80s and and ncaa and and the commissioners are are, are really going to listen steve tate joining us here uh former utah football player you know i i hear all the talk about health and safety and i just can't help but think that a lot of this comes down to whatever the health and safety issues were they were never going to face massive lawsuits over them. And if they play, and if this goes really wrong, they're going to face massive lawsuits over this. Yeah. And I think that that's where the health and safety thing pivots from, yeah, yeah there are problems, but let's play the games, to, hey, there's problems, and we could, we could be sued, and this could be a real problem. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I, absolutely. I think that's at the forefront is what's the liability. What's the, what's, you know, that's a, that's a huge factor. I also think, you know, again, I don't know when, but time will tell when, uh, when, you know, a college athlete, you know, dies, they do a, you know, a, a scan and show that he has CTE and all of a sudden his family takes the NCA and then sues them. You know, it's just a matter of time until there's a, either a class action lawsuit against the NCA for, you know, failing to adhere to certain protocols for CTE. I mean, there's again, NCA has, for the most part, gone unscathed when it comes to some of the liability that you know that they've done with with you know the quote unquote amateur athletes. But you're right. I mean, yeah, I think that's that's a huge concern for them. Um, and I don't know the counter argument to that. I don't know the the the, the, uh, the game plan to to you know counterattack that. Is it uh, everyone signs a a a waiver? You know, I mean, the Little League football made parents do it. Uh, you know, my son, eight-year-old's playing. He had, we had to sign a waiver for him that 
we want to sue the the league if something happens. So I, I don't know. I think if that's the pro, if that's the protocol that has to happen, then then great. But let's let's throw out the game plan. There's got to be a there, you know there's got to be a game plan for uh, you know that issue because I think that is a huge issue for the NCAA. And you're not buying spring ball as a realistic possibility. I I just don't think so. You know, again, um, I, I see everyone pushing it to spring ball, and I, I just don't I don't see how that is a that's plausible. Um, you know, again, if, if that is, then then they're gonna they're, they'll have to push the next fall season to at least into October. I mean, there's no way you can play. There's no way you can play season a season two seasons in in eight months. There's just no way. I mean, my, my I had two off season surgeries uh, in the four years that I played, and both those off season surgeries took me at least you know three months to recover from, uh, four months to get back to 100 percent, and it's just it's just too grueling on the body. I don't think you could do that. Um, you know, you could do it in basketball, you could do it in baseball, but football, there's just so much recovery time that goes into it to take care of your body. I mean, if you're talking, again, if we're talking safety and uh, of, the, of the players, if we're talking their health and safety, there's absolutely no way that is going to be healthy for kids to play the, the, you know, two, two seasons packed into eight months. There's no way. You know, there are a couple so, things. One, I, I've been surprised when they talk about spring football that uh, it starts as late as it does. Um, and I know that might be partly because of the weather and trying to accommodate fans in a certain part of the country, but I just don't know that fans are going to be at the games anyway and that that needs to be factored in. Um, maybe the weather for the players does. I don't know. But it seems to me if they're going to do something as unorthodox as spring football followed by a fall season, they have to do something as unorthodox as limiting the number of, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how it would be done, limiting the number of snaps a guy plays. Uh, medically, maybe there's a way to figure it out. Does anything like that make sense to you that they go way outside of the box to figure this out or it's just no way I no chance I mean I think it's to, to do that would be I don't think so I, I think it's no way I think that'd be, that'd be too, just way too many tapes and measures to be able to, 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 to do something like that and then you know again the elephant in the room is it, 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 we're assuming there's we're assuming the vaccine or it, I mean, we're assuming there's gonna be a vaccine and that will you know the, the the numbers are declining and the death rate is I mean Again, we probably assumed that back in February, and that's probably what got us into this situation right now. We're we're assuming if we're saying they're going to play in in spring, we're just assuming this this thing's going away, right? I mean, that's kind of why we're in this mess to begin with right now. I think we all assumed uh, when the summer comes, it's going to die down, and and so I think that's another issue is if you plan on having it in the spring, what is that based off? What what is, is that based off of data? Does that I mean what what do the numbers have to show in order for that to actually occur? Because if we're just assuming that this, this, this virus, this pandemic is gone by spring, I think we're going to I think we're going to be uh, you know surprised like we are now. I think we're going to be sitting in a similar, similar situation. And you're pretty strong about public schools or private schools for that matter, but schools starting up here, whether it's this week, next week, or whatever it might be. At I'm speaking not colleges, high school, grade schools, that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I, I think. You know, I, I think um, every every situation is different. Every family situation is different. Every kid's needs are different. Um, I think every school that that I've at least heard is giving families an option whether to go online or in in person. Now, you know, again, if you're if your child, if you have uh, a parent at home that's at risk, um, I've had a child that's been immunocompressant 
battling chemo, I, I would not have sent my kids back to school. No, I would not have. I would have, I would have, just because, you know, my son was, was, uh, battling cancer and he was, uh, he had no immune system for, for 10 months. So no, I would not have it in that situation. Currently in my situation, um, I, I, I feel comfortable sending my kids back to school. Now that's not everyone. And I'm, I'm, I am not, you know, here sitting saying this is the best thing for everyone. But I think there's, there's, that's the, that's the beauty of it. There, there can be an opt in and an opt out. And those that feel the need to go back to school, those that feel like their kids need it for their, you know, mental health, great. I think that they should have that option. Those that don't should have the option to stay online and and work through this, you know, this this current crisis and pandemic that we are facing. But there there should be an opportunity for kids to go in 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 a school environment and get their education. Steve, we appreciate the time. I look forward to checking your Twitter feed this afternoon and seeing how this went. <laughs> hey, I'm going to lay low. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. You've already been. No, you've been on the radio. It's too late, Steve. <laughs> it's too late. There's something will be taken and the context won't be considered and away it will go. Yeah. All right. Thanks. All right, guys. We'll see you. There's Steve Tate with PK and I. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are coming up. Stay with us.